Who dat, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Who Dat Dish podcast and yet another New Orleans Saints victory. The team now sits at 6-1, and one, and we are so excited to review the game. As always, we are part of the Fan Side Network, bringing you everything New Orleans Saints. You can also log on to www.whodatdish.com to read fantastic Saints articles by uh, people like myself and Roy Anderson, uh, so be sure to check that out. As always, I'm your host, Dayton Brown, joined by me. Uh, while you're listening to this podcast, you should hop on his Twitter and check out the, the film breakdown that he was tweeting out. You can follow him on Twitter, at St. Charlie, because uh, we'll be talking a lot about it on this podcast episode. Uh, Charlie, what's going on, man? How excited are you for this team uh, being 6-1 and one, uh, and, and riding into a, a very important home, home game against the Rams? Yeah, man, I'm excited. Six wins in a row. Uh, you kind of get kind of get a feeling from from last year that we had. Although, you know, we're rolling off some wins. It just feels a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it just feels like our our run game really was the reason why we were sort of dominant last year at times. And it's just been different, man. It's been a stout run defense. A pretty solid run game. Uh, Drew Brees playing like Superman, and you know a few, few good turnovers here and there. Um, but the ride has been fun. The Vikings game was, it was, uh, it was one of those games where it felt like, you know, it had a couple breaks not gone our way. It could have been, it could have been pretty bad, and especially mm-hmm. considering you know the injury report that the Vikings went into the game with. Uh, you know, I, I thought nothing less than a win. Uh, would have definitely been a big failure given given the injuries that the Vikings had. But no, you know, we had we made the plays we needed to make, and uh, and we were the better team that night. So that's that's typically who wins, usually who wins football games. But Tyler, how's it going, man? How you feeling? I'm pretty good, man. How's it going, Charlie? Dayton, as always, it's a pleasure being with you guys. It's a pleasure. Bring you guys another episode for everybody listening at home. Uh, I'm feeling great after this one. I can't wait to take on uh, LA. You know, I think we've got uh, we're probably the best team yet to play them. So hopefully we take them down. You know, as always, guys. I'm your other host, Tyler Raymond. Today is actually November 1st for those listening at home. It's also known as All Saints Day, and it's also known as now the 51st anniversary of the Saints coming to be. So uh, happy anniversary, New Orleans Saints. We love you. We're glad you're here. So uh, it's cool that we can be bringing everyone, you know, listening at home. Another amazing episode of this podcast on the same day of the Saints having their anniversary. But before we jump into anything, we've got six polls we wanted to discuss. As always, uh, if you guys are listening at home, make sure to check out the the WDD podcast on Twitter to find everything that we post. So regarding our polls, also, guys, make sure to check out. uh, We're going to be, if you uh, retweeted our our post, our pinned tweet that we had on our podcast about Quinn Early's book. Check that out. We will be announcing uh, the winners of it soon. It is ended, but you can check it out to see if you're one of the people that might have won. So, as far as the polls, our first one is um, <clears throat> we had score predictions, as always. Our predictions were, obviously, of course, it's the Saints were going to win. But who was the closest? Well, this is what you guys voted for. Dayton, you had the Saints winning 34-27. Charlie, uh, your your poll ended up winning. You had them uh, winning twenty seven to twenty four, even though they ended up winning thirty to twenty. I had them winning thirty to thirty three, even though that wasn't the initial uh, result. But so we, we call got it the win. That's all that matters. Now. And let's see. 
Other ones we had was, uh, did we think that Adam Thielen was going to go over 100 yards? You guys agreed. You said yes, 54%, and he did end up going over 100 yards. We thought. We also wanted to know if we thought um, Michael Thomas, you know, the Saints, amazing wide receiver, if he was going to go over 100 yards. We all thought he was. He was just short. I think he had like 80 or something. And we I, also wanted I, to know what, no. uh, if how many sacks we thought you I didn't. What'd you I say? Didn't, I didn't think Michael Thomas was going to get um, 100 receiving yards. So I. Oh was, yeah. I was correct on. Well, that. I did. What, so he ended up a hundred under 100. Yeah, he only had 80, he had 80. Yeah, he had like 80 something. That's seven. crazy, considering Xavier Rhodes didn't they clamp mm-hmm. him down, mm-hmm. and like half of his receiving yards were on one play. Right. I mean, I yeah. mean, Breeze only threw for 120, so he had he had a, he had a good chunk of that. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Tyler. It's crazy. Other polls. What'd you say? Keep going. You're good. <laughs> okay. Okay. Other polls we had, guys, were uh, that we wanted to know how many sacks you thought the Saints were going to have. I think in the end they ended up having four: two from Sheldon Rankins, two from Marcus Davenport. Yeah. But uh, in the end, uh, the main poll that won, you guys thought they would have two to three sacks, and a couple other ones. Uh, we wanted to know the goat, Drew Brees. It's funny; he actually ended up only having one passing touchdown this game. But we wanted to know how many touchdowns you thought he was going to have, and you guys voted 53%, exactly three. And the last, uh, but not least, uh, final poll, we wanted to know if the uh, bunk game, you know, the Saints defense, if they're going to make any turnovers, not fumbles, but interceptions, how many they would have. 53% said one. You were right, because uh, P.J. Williams had a pick six. So there you go. Those were all of our polls, and make sure to check out our Twitter accounts. Uh, at the WDD podcast to check everything out. So, yeah, and I uh, <clears throat> on the record, I did get most of those uh, uh, predictions correctly. Uh, I just want to put that out there. Um, yeah, I give you the score prediction yeah. winner, Dayton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, pr- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I uh, honestly, a lot of my score predictions are, are kind of out on the whim because it's so unpredictable. When uh, I mean, obviously, the Saints are going to score a lot of points, but the, the the defense is so unpredictable whether they give up. 15 points whether they give up 20 or, or 48 against the Buccaneers so it's always kind of on a whim so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad I was at least close but speaking of PJ Williams and the interception uh congrats to him for winning NFC I don't, I don't know how it happened NFC defensive player of the year he sacrificed uh 149 passing yards over the game of the um, week yeah, yeah, the yeah. Or, sorry my bad and NFC player of the week um and uh, but he did help force a fumble with Alex Anzalone. I, I actually think PJ Williams was the main guy who forced the fumble on that, um, which was a huge momentum swing for the Saints. And then he had the pick six, which uh, really almost I, I guess at that point in the game pretty much sealed the deal for the Saints uh, uh, in, in hindsight now. Uh, but he also got burned a lot by pretty much every receiver there uh, in, in that core for, for the Vikings. But what do you guys think about uh, Williams winning that that uh, award by the NFL? Uh, I mean, obviously you're happy that a saint was able to win that. Um, it's hard, man. Like he had such a two faced game. He was getting smoked all day and, Mm. and he's kind of done that though, man. Like his coverage skills have been kind of weird, but like he's kind of come up big in moments. Like just this year, you know, last game he gets a pick six. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not going to take anything away from PJ getting the pick six, but in reality, when you watch the play, Diggs stopped his route mm-hmm. and cousins just threw it right to PJ because he thought Diggs was going to keep going on his route, but kudos to PJ for making, you know, making the interception and running it back the fumble. I mean, 
that's just a good hit, you know? Mm-hmm. And then go back to the uh, what the Giants game. He causes a fumble then. You know, last year, sort of his interception against Carolina really kind of sparked defense. Um, you know, and then he had another one against the Rams last year that kind of got us back into, into contention in that game. He's just <clears throat> a hard player to figure out, man. It's like you can get him in these spots in this coverage where – he doesn't do that good, but they don't make plays to kind of make it up. But as far as winning the NFC uh, Player of the Week, you know, any Saint winning that is is a win in my book. Yeah, kudos to him, man. Um, I think it's funny. Uh, did the pick six really make up for all of him, uh, all of the plays of him getting burnt or allowing big catches? I'm not sure, but um, you know, kudos to him. I think uh, uh, hopefully this pick six can be maybe just like. Uh, the beginning, the beginning steps for the Saints defense that we can finally start making more plays in the secondary. But yeah, I'm happy for him. You know, and uh, he seems like in the end, he had a, a decent day. You know, uh, from Twitter, he seemed pretty happy. So mm. hopefully, uh, this can uh, uh, go in the right direction for him. You know, so kudos to BJ Williams. Yeah, I, I feel so bad for him. He gets burned on 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 the field and on Twitter all the time by fans. But I mean, when he got that pick six. Uh... <laughs> A lot of tweets came rolling. Like everybody you, flipped PG. the script. Yeah, I, I take back everything I said, man. And um, I mean, no, I, I I do think the pick six and the forced fumble. I mean, that led to two scores total, which cancel out the two touchdowns that he has. Exactly, on. exactly. So um, <laughs> evens out pretty much. Uh, it sucks that he gave up two touchdowns, obviously, but um, congrats to him for winning NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, there were also obviously the trade deadline just passed. Dante Fowler goes to the Rams. Uh, who are, are going to be playing the Saints this Sunday. That's going to be really interesting. Golden Tate gets traded to the um, Philadelphia Eagles for a third-round pick. Um, and I know I'm missing a couple of guys. A- a- any other trades surprise you guys? Uh, obviously, I-, I think that Golden Tate one is pretty important for the Eagles. It looks like they're trying to make some sort of a push there in the NFC East. Um, but the Dante Fowler, I'm not sure if you guys are worried about that for the Rams. We'll talk about that more so in the preview. But, uh, uh, yeah, quite, quite a few trades. Obviously, Ty Montgomery goes to the Ravens after uh, he gave up the game versus the Rams. And then the Packers also traded away Haha Clinton Dix uh, to the Washington Redskins, who the Saints played earlier in the year and could meet again in the playoffs. Um, yeah, well, I guess overall, what do you guys think of the trade deadline? And the Saints staying quiet, not making any moves uh, after the Eli Apple acquisition. Uh, were you guys surprised? I know, Charlie, it sounds like, uh, obviously, you tweeted earlier in the day that you weren't going to be surprised if the Saints stayed put. Um, are you satisfied with that? Uh, I mean, just given what we had to work with, I mean, you know, unless we weren't trading a starter or, you know, something like that, I mean, we just don't, we just don't have the ammo to make trades. What are are you going to trade your second round pick? So you don't have a first round pick, you don't have a second round pick, you don't have a third round pick. Right. Uh, and then you don't have a fourth round, right? Didn't we trade our fourth for, I mean, we wouldn't have any picks. Mm -hmm. It's just. You can't build a team that way, that that way. And if God forbid something happens, we don't win the Super Bowl this year, then you're really in trouble. You you're in win now mode, and you and you offloaded some future assets to win now, which I'm okay with if it if it means win now. So Sean Payton earlier in the week last week said that he's not too worried about picks that we can get those back. So I thought you know the one route we might go is to trade someone you know maybe a little older or expensive or something like that to acquire some picks and we didn't i thought you know the one thing that kind of was in my head that i didn't want to happen um although if the right 
acquisition came, I would be okay with it. And that was if we had decided to move Teddy Bridgewater and flip him mm. um, into a team like the Jags or you know someone who's who's got a roster built to win, but the quarterback's not performing. And the Jags to me just were like, it was just perfect. I know they just you know they just re-signed Bortles, but you know they could they could uh, <clears throat> they could have done that, but. Like I, I wasn't surprised that we weren't moving. We, there was nothing really we could move unless if it was players. As far as being satisfied, I mean, it's just kind of I hate this saying because it's so cliche and it's it, it lacks any kind of like you know logic. But it is what it is. Our team is what it is. This is the group of guys that we have to win, and mm-hmm. there's no no one on the street that's going to come in and make things better there probably wasn't anyone in the trade market that we were able to compete for that's going to come in and make anything better i mean i saw all day long on on the uh, on the twitter feed saints fans getting really pissed off that the saints weren't making moves and it's like this is this is just this is actually just how it is i mean this year there are a lot more in-season trades than there typically are um and and I, I just didn't really didn't think that anything was going to happen. And I'm kind of OK with that because I think you have to strike a balance of preserving your future and getting Drew Brees a Super Bowl now. Um, to me, I guess we can get into this later. Maybe when we talk about the game. The biggest the biggest and fattest glaring hole on this team is the second cornerback. And, uh, you know, we have a lockdown number one corner. We have a really good defensive line. We have a solid uh, linebacking core. Our our safeties are playing pretty well. Um, offense is fine. I don't have anything to worry about on offense other than wide receiver three and four. But that second cornerback position has got to get figured out if we want to win the Super Bowl. And I didn't think there was anyone on the trade market that we could have realistically gotten that would have made a change. So I was fine with it. Same here. Same here. What about you, Tyler? Yeah. For me, man, um, uh, you get you didn't mention it, Dan. I'll, I'll mention the one guy you forgot to mention. Um, Demarius Thomas to the Texans ah. with Will Fuller going out. I think that's a good move by them. Uh, Demarius Thomas is uh, a bit older than most receivers, but I think he could be reliable. So, uh, if you play fantasy, pick him up, guys. Um, I agree with you, Charlie. There is uh, there is really nobody the Saints could have picked up. Sure, I think everybody, you know, especially the Houdat Nation, loves when the Saints make moves. You know, when the Saints are really aggressive and when the Saints are balls to the walls, you know, uh, gas pedal to the ground, you know. But uh, I'm fine with it. I agree with you. You know, I, right now, uh, right now, I think uh, number two position, you know, number two corner, biggest need right now. I do think tight end is going to be a big need too down the road, as is uh, the number three and four receiver, like you said. But it wasn't too bad, you know. I think hopefully Eli Apple will do decent, you know, and I think that going forward, hopefully we'll be okay with him and or whoever's playing, and hopefully things work out for us in the end, and we get Drew Brees another Super Bowl. So I'm into that, man. And uh, yeah, it, it's really interesting to see uh, how. I guess on paper spectacular this Texans offense is and and it's going to be uh, just really interesting to see how the AFC unfolds with high powered offenses like Kansas City Chiefs, uh Pittsburgh Steelers are are, are up there um as well as obviously the the New England Patriots are always finding their ways in there. Um so yeah, but the NFC all got tougher. Um seems like the the Packers just kind of uh, gave away a couple guys who are important assets for the season and beyond, but um I don't know if that'll completely hinder their chances at making any sort of noise when it comes to playoff time, but 
Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure exactly what they were doing trading Clinton Dix uh, besides the contract negotiations that was going to come with him and then also balancing out trying to pay Aaron Rodgers down the line. Um, that's, that's the only, um, I guess, uh, thought I have about why the Green Bay Packers actually do that. But uh, the, the, the Rams' front line got better with Dante Fowler, even though he only has two sacks on this year being a backup. He is a very athletic and impressive young guy, um, and we'll be seeing him Sunday. We'll be talking about that more later on today. But let's jump into the game that the Saints won. It was a 30-20 to victory over the Vikings in Minnesota, the place where obviously the Minneapolis miracle happened. Uh, less than the what, meaningless miracle eight eight months ago and yes it turned into the meaningless miracle as the saints redeemed themselves um thankfully they did um the defense i think was the most important thing to watch the the offense was uh i guess its usual self it was able to find ways to move down the field whether it was through drew Brees or through alvin kamara or mark ingram or a collection of all those guys but the defense was able to flip a switch at halftime and you could even argue uh earlier in the second quarter and they held Minnesota to just seven points in the second half. Um, so how were they able to, and wh- whoever wants to take this first, you can go and start. Um, how were they able to have success with the pass rush? Um, and, and how well did Eli Apple play overall? Charlie, I know you broke him down a little bit on your Twitter, but um, pass rush improved over on. We had four sacks. Um, how was the coverage overall, especially Eli Apple? Um, how was the defense able to flip that switch? Um, I got well, it. So go ahead. Okay, what did you say? Oh, okay. I was just going to mention, because I told you guys earlier that I did it, and it took me literally forever, but alas, I did it. So, Kirk Cousins took 41 snaps, uh, 41 passing attempts, and, I, you know, we've been saying for weeks now how if the Saints want to improve, and if the defense doesn't want to be a liability anymore, they're going to need to generate pressure and get to the quarterback. So, I charted uh, through most of the third quarter all the way to the fourth, you know, everything. I charted all of his different pass attempts, how many people we rushed, uh, in my opinion, if that was considered enough pressure to rattle Kirk Cousins and the result of the play. So I I basically, I I wrote everything down. I looked at it, generally summarized it. And what I concluded was we were getting pressure, but I think it depended on how many people we were sending and the result of the play. So let me explain. So... Uh, most of the time, we'd be sending either four or five people. Now, half the time, we'd be getting pressure. Ha- about half, maybe 60-40, we, we weren't. You know, because uh, some of the time, he'd be getting a, uh, a clean pocket, Kirk Cousins. And that's when he really burnt us. And, you know, I think, Charlie, I, I know you'll probably mention it later, but you you summed it up perfectly when you said on Twitter that Kirk Cousins is a guy that when you easily rattle him, he makes mistakes. You know, the play that he threw the pick six, he was... Uh, escaping out of the pocket because there was pressure there. And I think that goes back to the game the entire time. You know, when I was just watching everything, the plays, he had a clean pocket. He was easily able to uh, distinguish who was open, throw throw the passes that need to be made. Half the time, he was throwing for larger gains. Everyone on my sheet, like minimal gain, first down, touchdown. Most of those times, he was getting first downs and it's funny, most of the times they were getting pressure, even with four people, uh, like he would throw an incomplete pass or the pass would be batted down or it would be a minimal gain. So I know that's just career cousins, but I think we just need to be more consistent. I know, uh, I think Pro Football Focus said we pressured him 49% of the time. Uh, 49% of his uh, overall pass uh, passes, his dropbacks, so like 
20. So 20 out of like 41. But I think right now we're doing a good job. We just need to be more consistent. But it wasn't too bad, though. It was definitely interesting uh, charting everything. I'm hopefully going to be getting better at that over time and looking at different things. So, yeah. yeah. Good breakdown, Tyler. That's awesome. Yeah, um, it's good stuff, man. Really shows the, the progress Thanks. of this uh, uh, pass rush, especially the, that front four. Unfortunately, Marcus Davenport did injure his toe. Uh, in the game, and it happened on the uh, what was originally ruled a, uh, a sack, fumble, and fumble recovery by him, um, but it was later overturned after review, but he still got credit for the sack. Um, but it, 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 he's either going to be out for a month, or he's going to be ready to go on Sunday, but that's according to him. It seems like doctors are being a lot more uh, cautious here, but the report did come from uh, your boy, Charlie, rap sheet, um, so who, who knows how long he's actually going to miss, but yeah, what would you think of the pass rush overall? I thought, um, kind of like what Tyler was saying. The, the good thing, uh, one thing I was happy about in this pat this uh, game was we actually we made it a uh, you know a priority to getting at the quarterback no matter what. And what I mean by saying that is we rushed four on a lot of plays and we didn't send the weird two and three coverages. Although I, I'm pretty sure we did get a sack on a three man rush. Um, that might have been one of Sheldon Rankin's sacks. But, you know, that's all in cahoots with the back end. Like, the longer the back end can hold their coverage, the more time the uh, pass rush has to get home. And then on the flip side, the quicker the pass rush exactly. gets to the quarterback, the more it can affect the passer. It, it's just – it's really a, a marriage, man. And it's got to go both ways and it's got to work together to be effective. And you kind of saw it both. I mean, in the beginning of the game – um cousins was kind of picking us apart doing whatever he wanted and then you kind of saw about midway through the second quarter the saints defensive line just started to to just get away at that line and i know the left side of the vikings line was beat up and you know if you want to be a a playoff team and and um you know have super bowl aspirations you need to be good enough to take it take advantage of those those opportunities man and that's no knock against those viking guys but those guys aren't starters for a reason and if you know, you, you want to be good enough to be talked about one of the best teams in the league, then you need to be able to take over games and find weaknesses. And that, I thought we did a good job doing that. Um, I was, uh, you know, reading reading Nick Underhill, uh, and and he, he really did a good job pointing out how, how we just kind of made some some little adjustments on the back end in the second half, and it really it really calmed the coverage down. And that all just played in, you know, in, into the pass rush and pressuring Cousins and forcing him into bad throws or, you know, bad throws in that. Yeah, he threw a pick or the pick six. He also threw some inaccurate throws. He he threw some balls that he shouldn't have thrown. Like on the fourth and one, he throws it to Treadwell, who had Marshawn Lattimore all over him like glue. You know, maybe if he had a little bit more time, he could have he came off that read and found someone else. So. I was happy, man. I mean, if we're gonna really do this thing and make a make a run, we gotta we gotta be able to consistently generate a pass rush, especially with the front four. And um, what bigger test than than the next game? But at least this last game it looked like it was really starting to come through. And we didn't really need to blitz that much. You know, we blitzed some, but we didn't need to blitz that much to get home. Uh, and I yeah, also for sure on on. Um... Another note for that front seven on the Saints, I really like the uh, uh, way Alex Anzalone was playing in the game. I think that definitely helped out with uh, matching some athleticism there uh, with the Minnesota Vikings. But yeah, it's going to be Alex Okafor's time to step up for this uh, really impressive pass rush for the Saints. And uh, he, he was able to be impressive last year if he's able to stay healthy. 
throughout however much time Marcus Davenport is going to miss, uh, then uh, he, he's going to fit right in. And I, I, I believe that he's going to get back to his uh, form of last year, at least get us a, a couple of sacks if Davenport does indeed sit out for, for uh, the entire four weeks that, that uh, is, is rep- being reported now. Um, but I also want to talk about Eli Apple. It was obviously his first game with the Saints' first start. Ken Crawley went inactive. That's, I guess, how confident the Saints were. Or, um, I, like, like Charlie had mentioned before, um, and we kind of talked about, could possibly be Ken Crawley going uh, on the trade block, but uh, that, that didn't end up happening. Uh, so it just seems like the Saints were just more so confident in Eli Apple than Ken Crawley and more confident in P.J. Williams in the slot than Crawley in the slot. But Eli Apple, eight passes were thrown towards his man that he was covering and all eight of those passes were completed but he only gave up a total of 79 yards and he didn't sacrifice a touchdown and he has yet to sacrifice a touchdown this entire season um so uh, overall even though there were some there were a couple of highlight catches on him Adam Thielen tore it up and 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 got 100 yards and a lot of those yards came um via uh being covered by Eli Apple um and even though he played cushiony and soft, I still think Eli Apple had a decent game, um, especially for a start and coming in, what, five days before the game um, and learning the playbook and being able to play with these guys against one of the better wide receiver cores. So um, the, the secondary struggles really were with P.J. Williams overall, um, but Eli Apple was able to handle his own for the most part, uh, even though he did contribute to uh, a, a good chunk of yards um, and, and 100% completion percentage towards his guys um overall what you guys think of uh, apple's performance in his first game in a saints uniform i thought he played okay he didn't give up anything big i mean i think yeah i think the word to sum up his performance is okay you mm-hmm. know he did fine he did, wasn't great he wasn't terrible he didn't give up anything big um i thought his pass interference play was was pretty good um yeah. You know, it's touchdown saving play, and sometimes you're you're caught in one of those situations. And for him being in the league, what two three years now, and having the smarts to make that play is 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 pretty good. Um, yeah, I think the weakness right now in, in our back end is with PJ, just because he's um, he's just having a hard time. I mean, he's he's I don't I think I sort of think PJ is just kind of. I don't know if we're going to be able to get that much more production out of him on as far as coverage, but you can help him on certain brackets and, um, you know, maybe uh, kind of getting in, in the receiver's face a little bit off the line or, you know, maybe also maybe disguising some coverages a little bit more to get him in a, a better position to win some battles. But as far as Eli Apple is concerned, I think it's okay. The one thing I notice is that, I mean, he it almost looks like, like, okay, I don't think he played any differently than Crawley has in the last few weeks. Because this has kind of been what Crawley – this has kind of been how Crawley's played, where he gives up a huge cushion and he has some balls completed on him, but he's not really giving up big plays, wasn't really getting scored on, and it was just kind of okay. Um, and I guess another way to look at it is, you know, Eli got in here late Tuesday night, practiced Wednesday, probably practiced Thursday, walked through Friday – uh, and then just goes on the field in his new Saints uniform, and that's how he performs. So I guess the flip side of looking at it, because I kind of thought that that Eli Apple looked a lot like Ken Crawley that game, um, but yeah. gave him a few more weeks in the system, getting comfortable with the guys, getting comfortable with the calls and the system and the adjustments and things that Dennis Allen wants him to do, and working a little bit more with Aaron Glenn, the D-backs coach, 
you know, you, I would expect improvement from Eli. So if his floor is what Ken Crawley was doing at not his best, but at a solid, then we should be good going forward. Yeah. For me, I think Eli Apple did decent. I think, you know, wasn't great, wasn't terrible. You know, I, I mean, like, what did we expect from somebody that was just plugged into the system a week ago? You know, not even a week ago. So, you know, I think you can only set the bar so high, you know, and I think you, you said it really well, Charlie, that, you know, like he was sort of playing like Crawley, you know, and hopefully, I guess, on the flip side of that is hopefully where Crawley, I guess, to some people is trending downwards, Eli Apple is going to be trending upwards. I actually have a quote by Jane Slater, uh, who works for the NFL uh, on Twitter right now about it and what Sean Payne said about the addition of Eli Apple and how we played. So, uh, Payton, uh, this is a whole tweet. On addition of Eli Apple, head coach Sean Payton tells me he did some good things. He struggled with others, referring to the game Sunday. Wasn't sure his play was up to his potential. Technique got off a little bit. Uh, against Rams, they have to handle a passing game that can get vertical and horizontal across the field, which is really true. So hopefully he'll be up to the task. And we'll be talking about that later. We have some great guests coming on uh, for a later episode. But, um, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't amazing. wasn't terrible. You know, in the mid-range, hopefully, hopefully it gets better from here. Uh, that's what I'd like to see going forward. So, yeah, and definitely Charlie hit it on the on the head. Both of you did. If 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 this is his floor, uh, you know, being compared to to how Ken Carly was after being in the system for what three seasons, two and a half seasons, yeah, um, then then it's it, it's going to be great to have uh, that improvement at the cornerback too. Now it's all about figuring out that 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 corner slot position. Uh, because P.J. Williams was not cutting it on Sunday, even though he did win NFC Player of the Week. Uh, but who knows, this could spark. I mean, Cooper Cup's coming back for, for the Rams game, it sounds like. And, of course. And, and, I mean, right? Yeah, of, of course. Only us, the right? Saints. Um, so that's going to be a three-headed monster for, for the Rams. But like Tyler said, we'll get into that with a great guest on the next episode. Uh, but let's go to the flip side for the Saints offense. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, <clears throat> excuse me, Drew Brees only had 120 passing yards and he threw his Crazy. first interception of the season to Harrison Smith. It was an overthrow um, that that that, and luckily it didn't go for for any yards. But um, that really seemed to to turn the game to the Vikings side. And of course, right after that, the Saints uh, uh, were able to to force that fumble and, and and get the recovery by Lattimore and then score a touchdown. So uh, it, it really didn't affect the Saints that much. But it was his first turnover of the season. Um, and the offense racked up 106 total rushing yards against a really good Vikings uh, defense, especially on third down. Uh, and the Saints were able to be four of nine from third down, so that's decent against the the number one team at that uh, in the NFL. The Vikings were five of ten. Um, Breeze didn't seem too sluggish or off his game. It just he was just dinking and dunking. Um, he didn't throw a pass over 20 yards, and a majority of his passes didn't go over 10. So it was really just uh, finding the open guys and uh, being able to uh, move the chains as, as much as possible. Um, and, of course, Alvin Kamara had two touchdowns, one rushing, one passing uh, from Drew Brees. Um, and the experimenting with Taysom Hill seemed to work with the offense, too. There were some new plays uh, thrown in. He actually threw his first pass. It was a completion to Michael Thomas for 44 yards. Um, but overall in the offense, even though they didn't rock up a lot of yards and Minnesota's offense outperformed them by a mile, how was how, how were they able to to keep the ball for so long, score or, or get to 30 points, 
uh, what was the key for this offense being so, I guess, sluggish overall, uh, but being able to pull out a 30-20 to 20 victory? Well, well, number one, we won the turnover battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some of our cases, especially last year, that, that didn't really matter. We would still lose games. But uh, won the turnover battle, and we capitalized off the turnovers. I mean, I think I tweeted at one, you know, actually today when I was rewatching the game, you know, the sequence of plays where, you know, what was it? We scored, yeah, scored at the end of half. Um, they punted in the start of the half. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's just the game flow, It you know, like we, the Vikings seemed like they were getting ready to take over the game because our offense was kind of sluggish and they were just doing really whatever they wanted to do to our defense at, at, at one point. And then the, uh, the, the fumble recovery that led to a touchdown for us, that was just really the turning point of the game. I mean, had mm-hmm. that not happened, then I really don't know how the game – you know, would have ended. Maybe the offense would have had to open up a little bit more and move the ball down the field. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's how you're. That's how you're able to win these games. And and you play good defense. You know, we actually played good. Second half, we played. We played good defense. We got sacks. We got stops. Created turnovers. Um, that, that's just what it takes. And and what really sucks is a lot of the improvement on the defense came from Marcus Davenport. And uh, you know, losing him is big. I mean. Like I, I tweeted yesterday, it feels like the defense just sort of morphed back to 2017. The only difference is now we have Demaro Davis, um, you know, basically the same cast of characters out there. And I think Al, um, Alex Okafor is more than capable enough for filling in, but he's not Marcus Davenport. I mean, Marcus Davenport is one of the most athletically he's a beast. Gifted. He's yeah, I mean, he's one of the most he's athletically gifted level. people on our entire roster. I mean. A man that big and strong should not be able to move like that, and, and he can. So, I mean, I'm really excited for the future of our defensive line. Uh, it's young and good. But, uh, yeah, um, kind of went on a, on a tangent there. But that's how you win. You win the turnover battle, and you capitalize off your turnovers. You limit your mistakes. You're in a rough road game like that. That's kind of the formula to win. It's funny you mention that. For me, I'm going to take a different angle here. I'm going to say the balance on the offense. You know uh uh, if you guys listen to the podcast, you know how I like to bank on the Saints sometimes and how little things you know, can go wrong or how little things we think they need to improve on. And I think if you've listened to me talk, you know, one little thing that I always mention, another week, another example, where the heck is all the other receivers not named Michael Thomas? Like, come on, guys. Uh, where are you, Saints receivers? Please show up. But um, the reason why I mention this is because this is like a good example of what can happen like as Dayton alluded to, the offense sort of looks sluggish, you know, because if you have to rely on two players and that that opposing team knows those players, we've played the Vikings a few times. They know who Alvin Kamara is. Sure, they can't always guard him, but they know who he is. They know who Michael Thomas is. And I think it's tough, you know. And, well, this is where I get to the point where I think the offense is going to be able to bounce back. And I think the offense... It's going to be able to gel, flex a bit, and, you know, get back to that point. Sure, they might not have the receivers keeping up all the slack, but they do have the running backs. And I think, you know, I I love this offense. Sure, it's not perfect, but I love it because it's so well that we have so many different weapons to utilize, especially in Mark Ingram, you know, the ground-to-pound tough running game, the Alvin Kamara, that will get you through these type of games where at the end of it you're thinking – 
man, our offense really didn't do that great. Like Dayton said, we got beat out by Minnesota by a mile, uh, offensively speaking. So I think, you know, the other receivers need to show up, but I think this is a great example of how well we can still gel because of how flexible we are with everything going forward. Oh, and also, if we're mentioning offense here, we need to mention Taysom Hill, Drew Brees, and Teddy Bridgewater Mm. were all on the field for one play, and that was pretty crazy. And Nick Underhill actually asked uh, Drew Brees uh, if some point if he thinks uh, that maybe he can catch a pass, referring to maybe Teddy Bridgewater now or maybe even Taysom Hill throwing it. Because we all know what's going to happen. At some point, some way, uh, Drew Brees is going to be open when he lines up uh, one-on-one. And Drew Brees thinks at some point he hopes so. So we'll have to see if that happens. But just a lot of stuff going on with the offense, you know, and definitely an interesting game, you know, if you're if you're really keeping an eye out on the offense for what we're doing. So You know, one, uh, one thing about this game is if you look at just the offensive stats and compare it, yeah, I mean, the Vikings kicked our butt. But um, I heard a phrase one time, and I thought it was I thought it was really funny but appropriate. Uh, stats are like a bikini; it doesn't mm. it doesn't show you everything. It's fun; it's good to look at, but it doesn't show you everything. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and in this case, it really doesn't because if you look at the offensive stats, um, you know they they kind of whooped us up and down the field. Um, although we did beat them on the ground game, um, but it like. Yeah, Breeze only had 120 yards, but some those yards came in in like they were very significant plays. The uh, you know the fade route up the sidelines to Michael Thomas that was a big play. The uh, screen route to um, to uh, uh, ah, Mark Ingram that was a big play. Um, you know Traquan Smith had a few catches that were really good. Alvin Kamara had seven receptions that were just all clutch, and you know it, it's just. Like I said earlier, if you win the turnover battle and you play good defense on the road, you put yourself in a really good position to win. And, you know, mm-hmm. we did. And like Breeze said in the beginning of the game, get a win and get the hell out. And that's that's literally what we did, man. Get a win, get the hell out, come home, prepare for the Rams. Yep. Fantastic. And, yeah, as Tyler mentioned, the three best quarterbacks in the NFC South are on the field at one time Ooh. on Sunday night. <laughs> that, that was fantastic to see. Um, I want to go over all the stats real quick. Drew Brees, uh, like I said, 120, 120 passing yards, 18 of 23 for a 78.3 completion percentage. Pretty fantastic, but his QBR was 47, uh, which 50 is average. So technically it was below average. His, his passer rate was 84.8. Anything below 90 is, is, is definitely below average. Um, and I think that has to do with the one interception and only 5.2 yards per average. But he right. was able to find a, a way to win for the Saints, and that one interception didn't lead to any points for the Vikings. So in, in my book, Drew Brees had a very efficient game and, and was a big part in, in us winning, obviously. Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara each carried the ball 13 times. Ingram yielded 63 yards, and Kamara yielded 45 yards, including that one leaping touchdown. Um, and Kamara is a nightmare for the Minnesota Vikings, and he has been. And FUCK Minnesota, as he said uh, earlier in the offseason, so he was able to get his revenge. It's a very sweet revenge. Taysom Hill had negative two rushing yards, unfortunately, but he did have a reception for five yards and 44 passing yards, so uh, really impressive. Uh, Michael Thomas, Kamara, Ingram, Traquan Smith, Taysom Hill. Those are the only guys who caught passes from Drew Brees. Thomas had five of them for 81 yards, which is 80 of the 120 yards. 
uh, uh, from them. So that's that's two thirds of, of Drew Brees' passing yards went straight to Michael Thomas. Kamara had 31 yards off seven receptions. Ingram had 29 yards off three catches, including a very nice uh, hit stick. Um, that almost got uh, 10 yards on, on first down. I don't know if you guys remember that play, but catches the ball and he just absolutely plows all, his way almost to a first down for the Saints. Mm-hmm. That was really impressive. Um, Traquan Smith had three catches for 18 yards. Um, I think he really is going to uh, get some more looks against the Rams. Um, so I'm looking forward to Traquan Smith's uh, second breakout game of the year after uh, Washington was his first. Um, and Eli Apple led the team in total tackles with nine, and they were all solo. A.J. Klein was second with uh, seven total tackles, three of them solo. Demario Davis had six, as did P.J. Williams and Vaughn Bell. Um, the two sacks came from, as Tyler mentioned, Sheldon Rankins and Marcus Davenport. Hopefully Davenport will be healthy uh, for the game against uh, uh, L.A., as we've been mentioning, and beyond. Kirk Cousins had 359 passing yards. Uh, but he was also sacked four times for a loss of 21. Drew Brees wasn't sacked at all um, during the game. Um, Latavius Murray uh, had 13 carries for 56 yards and a touchdown. He's been heat- heating up over the weeks. Um, and then Adam Thielen was the only other guy who uh, had more than um, 15 or more rushing yards for the Minnesota Vikings, and he had uh, that one big rush. Um, Stefan Diggs, 10 catches, uh, Thielen had seven himself, Diggs had 119 yards, and Thielen had 103, and they each had a touchdown. After that, it was, uh, Kyle Rudolph and, uh, Latavius Murray having 39 receptions apiece, and, uh, Laquan Treadwell with three catches for 25 yards, um, and Trey Waynes, uh, led their team in tackles, um, and Linval Joseph also had a, a fairly impressive game. He was questionable going in the game. He ended up playing. He had two tackles for a loss, including six total tackles himself. Um, but yeah, overall, Saints offensive line was able to protect. And I also want to give a huge, huge shout out to Will Lutz. Three of three on field goals, including a 52 man. yarder. Three Very of three clutch. on extra points. I mean, he, he. I don't know if right now he is, but if he continues to play like this, I think he'll go down as the best Saints kicker ever. Uh, Morton Anderson is pretty, pretty high company to be with. Um, and he actually just got passed by Adam Vinatieri for the all-time NFL leading scorer. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, Will that's absolutely clutch. He was really important for the team um, and and being able to uh, win. He's absolutely clutch. Are you guys with me in agreement? Like, if he keeps this up, he's going to be the greatest Saints kicker ever? Dayton sure. coming in hot with the hot take. Yes. Uh-huh. I don't I'm gonna to have be. to respectfully disagree. Uh I don't think the Saints will ever have a kicker that comes near and near uh Morton Anderson. But maybe maybe one of the best kickers we've ever had. I mean, mm. you know, there was a stretch where Garrett Hartley was awesome, man. I mean he yeah. kicked us to the Super Bowl and then in the Super Bowl kicked what, like two forty some yard field goals that were just you know, kept kept us in the game in that first half. Um and and Lutz has really, really, really come on as a clutch kicker, man. And and it's just it feels great <laughs> to not have a kicker carousel and have a kicker who you can you can really rely on, man. Indeed. I, it's just yeah. one area. You know, the special teams I think can do a little bit better. Um especially in the return game. I mean, I'm just waiting, man, for one of these games. Taysom Hill finds a seam and takes off because there's been a couple kick returns where it looks like if he had gotten one more block, he might be taking it to the house. I and mean, he's got that 4-4 speed. The dude's plenty fast enough to make it happen. But, uh, yeah, as far as your kicker your kicker question, um, 
I don't think anyone uh, will ever be better than uh, Morton Anderson. He's just he's royalty. Top three all time, maybe. I don't know. Uh, he's really good though, and I I just finally appreciate. Uh, I finally love how we have a reliable, consistent, accurate. Uh, leg, you know, and I, I think that's really awesome. So uh, kudos to Willots, you know, uh, you're the lucky leg, man. We love you. Mm-hmm. So indeed, yeah, uh, love the guy. He is definitely the best Saints kicker that I've I've seen growing up since I've been a Saints fan. So um, uh, even though I have seen obviously impressive games from uh, uh, Garrett Hartley, it, it has been Will Lutz in my eyes has been uh, the best I've I've personally witnessed. So I'm very fortunate to see that. Uh, anything else you guys want to say about the game? Any other standout guys you want to mention? Maybe some schemes you noticed, uh, something that really needs improvement. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we move on that we didn't get to cover? I, I mean, just kind of in general that that I've seen. I uh, this is gonna sound crazy, and the listeners are probably gonna think I'm I'm nuts. I miss That's Brandon already. Coleman. I miss Brandon Coleman blocking on the outside in this in this run game. Me too. Um, you know, and yeah, I mean. Tyler's been hitting it almost every week, it seems, as far as the the wide receivers. And it's it's just crazy. Like, Traquan Smith is good. He's going to be good. He's only a rookie. And I think he's playing great for a rookie. I think he's doing just fine in this system. But outside of him and Mike, it's like, you know, Austin Carr, to me, it's, I think Austin Carr is one of those guys who's really smart and he gets the system. So Breeze and Peyton have a comfort level with him. But his his ceiling is so low as far as catching the ball downfield and helping out in the run game. I mean, in the run game, he's getting tossed around like a rag doll. I saw uh, that on Twitter. Yeah, Crazy. I just – I don't – I miss big Brandon Coleman, man. 6'6", 230 pounds, downfield blocking. And he did it with effort and he did it with pride every mm-hmm. single snap. you know. And he knew, like, I may only get one catch every three weeks, but, damn, I'm going to be blocking my ass off downfield no matter if it's a – Ingram run, a Camara run, somebody else caught the ball. Like, I kind of missed that nastiness on the outside blocking. I think Traquan does a pretty good job blocking as a wide receiver. Actually, in reality, I'm kind of impressed with his ability to block. And Michael Thomas does a good job blocking. But uh, I'm missing some of that, and I'm missing more production. Like, I I think my – it's only midway through the season, but I'm starting to fall into thinking that we had – a good offseason acquisition into Mario Davis, but I think we kind of blew it with Kurt Coleman and with Cam Meredith. I mean, yeah. neither, neither, both of them were pretty decent dollar. I mean, we pay Kurt Coleman decent money, and he's not even starting. It's Von Bell. He's not, he's not even starting. And I don't have any. I don't have a problem with Von Bell beating him out. Obviously, I do not have a problem with that. You got to play the best guys. But what was the vision? You know, like. If he was brought in to be depth uh, or compete to start, that's one thing. But you're paying him starter starter money, and he just hasn't really contributed at, at all. And like in any in any aspect of defense, I, I remember in one play in the uh, the, uh, the the Redskins game, he had an opportunity for an interception, and he dropped it. But you know, I was thinking, well, at least he was there. But yeah, he's just not that. That's killing me right now. And then Cam Meredith, Cam mm-hmm. Meredith. As soon as we signed him, man, it was. You know, he really fits in the slot perfectly with what we do with our slot receivers. Looked like a perfect matchup, man. It was the perfect fit. And, like, his snaps are low. And I don't think it's injury-related, man. I don't think it's his knee. I think his knee is fine. I think it's just, Maybe just 
he's just not. Do. He can't pick it just, up. He's just not the best option come game day. He's obviously not being incorporated into our game plans. You know, and maybe, maybe it's because of the type of game we're going to play. Like he was pretty involved in the in the Falcon game, and I think maybe that had to do with Peyton knowing that it was going to be a shootout, so he had no choice but to get all the receivers involved. But those are two dudes that if we're going to win a Super Bowl. They have to contribute because they were major offseason acquisitions. We need that third or fourth wide receiver to step up. We need a third safety to step up. And it's not happening. And it was evident. It was very evident in the last game. Neither one of them did anything. Yeah. And you, what's crazy for me, I think, you know, I think you're, you're really right to be saying that. I think for me, two guys, I, I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen. You know, I, I think the opportunity could present itself considering what we've been talking about and what could, how how the cards fall. Okay, I'll say that. Two people, one, one on offense, one on defense. Nobody's producing for the offense. I'd love to see more. Benjamin Watson, Josh Hill, and he just came back from injury, so hopefully he's good to go. Tommy Lee Lewis, Dan, he, uh, you love the man. I think he, uh, heck, you know, I, I said at the very beginning, I remember, I, I, I was a bigger Austin Carr fan than I was Tommy Lee Lewis, but... If Austin Carr isn't getting the job done, we all know Cameron Meredith isn't doing anything. Put Tommy Lee Lewis and do something. Heck, I remember the days when Mark Ingram used to catch a billion receptions for a lot of yards. I would love to see that too, you know. And I, I don't know. I, I would just I would love to see uh, Jubilees throwing to eight different guys, nine different guys. I love to see, I love to see it with Jubilees has so many different options. The defense doesn't know what to do. And he always finds the open man. On defense, uh, I said it on Twitter. Uh, some people sort of, I don't know if they laughed at me, but some people were like, what do you mean? Like, that isn't going to happen. We know Alex Okafor can play. Sure, he's the Marcus Davenport. But let's hear about Trey Hendrickson. Let's see the dude that was hyped up all preseason, second year, uh, was the original man that was brought in to help a third-round pick. Let's see if he can get it done. Because I... We need the pressure. We need the sacks. If this, if the Saints want a Super Bowl reign, if we want to get it for Drew, somebody's going to need to step up on defense. Next man up, Okafor and Hendrickson. All eyes are on you, dudes. The same thing I with the offense. We need to get it done. I agree, so. man. And I think what's what happened with with Hendrickson is, and I believe he's it was just been a healthy scratch. Well, he's been a healthy scratch because I I I want to say it was Underhill because Underhill is the god, and I I have literally respect every word that guy writes and speaks about the saints because typically that. he's right true um hendrickson just kind of was like a one-trick pony and once yeah. he's got fil- film on him and figured it out his pass rush became ineffective and and he's also not good i mean not good in run support he oh, will yeah he's put been on, put on roller skates before he'll get put on roller skates and get pushed 15 yards down the you cannot have that. yeah i've seen you write a uh, tweet about that yeah, yeah. It's crazy. in the nfl you need to be able to set the edge as a defensive end especially against a team like the rams who run todd Gurley off tackle so i hate that mm. it's so lethal, effective lethal injection right to opposing defenses yeah and honestly i think uh i guess when you guys you guys are going to get into the game a little bit but um, I, I'm really looking at uh, AJ Klein this game, man. I think AJ Klein is going to be a key, key guy. Hopefully all the linebackers. Well, yeah, but in 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 specific, uh, AJ Klein because you know as the strong side linebacker, you're sort of setting setting the edge there. And and when they're running, you know, he, it, I, I think a lot in that running game is going to have to come down to AJ. But totally agree, man. I'd like to see 
uh, T-Rex step it up and, you know, maybe, maybe this time away he was able to kind of work on his craft a little bit. And uh, it looks like Mitchell Lavin is, is back and healthy. Um, he's another one that I'd like to see, you know, be able to step up in this, in this rotation going forward. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, we're six and one and here we are complaining. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's how, well, that's, there's always things to be worked on. You know, that's there's always things to be worked on. Man. There's always ways to improve. There's always ways to get better. Look at look at the Rams. Look at the Rams. Yeah. They just traded. They just traded for a defensive uh, a defensive end. Look at the look at the Eagles, man. The Eagles have, didn't sit pat last year and they won a Super Bowl, and they're not sitting pat now by trading for 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 Golden Tate. Exactly. You have to constantly be improving, and and we're gonna go with who we have in house. These guys gotta gotta improve and get better. I love that we're six and one, but this six and one where we are right now, I don't think so is where better. it needs to be to win the Super Bowl. But the potential is there to get where we need to be. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I agree with everything that you guys said. One hundred percent. That would that that was a whole lot to take in, and you guys covered pretty much everything. Um, <laughs> And Tyler, yeah, you mentioned Mark Ingram. I do want to see him get a little bit more passing yards. I, I loved it. You know, I, I want to see he had that the screen game. capability. Yeah, I want to see that screen game a little bit more with him. Yeah, no, um, yeah, yeah, and, and that's how you. Uh, that's how good this team is. That 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 that's how good we view this team is. Uh, we're so nitpicky with uh, uh, how, how they're performing and whatnot. That hey, this team has that potential to be. Super Bowl champions, but you have to be near perfect, and that, and that's why we got to be so nitpicky with these guys. Uh, but overall, fantastic team. It's been it's been great to watch, and uh, we're excited to break down the the Rams matchup for you guys later on, and get to witness that on Sunday. That's going to be uh, the, the game of the week. Sunday night was the game of the week. Um, to to us, obviously, I think some could argue that the Rams Packers very close game was was maybe the game of the week as well. Uh, but Saints Vikings, nonetheless, fantastic watch. Um, and the Saints come up with the victory, so who'd add to that? Let's talk about the rest of the NFC South and how they performed real quick. The Panthers impressively handled the Ravens at home. Um, the Buccaneers benched Crabman for Fitzmagic and mm. almost completed an epic comeback against the Bengals. And uh, the Falcons lost to the bye week yet again for another season. Uh, always seems to happen. Uh, how legit is Carolina, and how worried should the Saints be? Very legit. Uh, they have a good running game. They're playing good defense. North Turner has adapted his system to fit what Carolina's talent is. Um, run CMC is great. Cam Newton's playing good. The line is playing better than it sort of was. I think the Saints are a better team, and I think the Saints should win the division. But that's definitely you know a team that we've got to you know stay ahead of. Um, and you know this week, this week would be huge. Uh, us staying ahead of them, and uh, the Falcons, man, the Falcons are kind of riding the ship a little bit. Um, they've won some games. They have a, in my opinion, a very winnable game this weekend versus the Redskins. Uh, the Redskins have a good defense and they have a really good running game right now, but the Redskins can't score points like the Falcons can. And uh, you know we're all going to be big time Redskins fans this weekend. We we I don't. I don't want them to get on a roll. I mean, look, I hate the Falcons, but I'm going to be honest with you. They're, they have talent. They're kind of on a roll. And if they string together a couple wins in a few weeks, um, Deion Jones comes back. And then they're right back in the thick of things, and they're a team that you have to account for. So, And Tampa, I think, is kind of in flux. I think they're they're kind of a stupid organization. They they constantly seem to make dumb mistakes. And they're the just bills. the way they – huh? They're the bills of the NFC. 
Mm-hmm. They're worse than that. They're worse than that because, in my opinion, they have a way talented roster than the Bills, and yet they're still stupid. It's like they have <laughs> – Organization-wise, the way they, they draft and why, stuff. I mean, just just think about it. Why – what good did it do Crab Legs to put him in the game versus the Bears? Like, right. they were getting killed. Yeah. Why would you put yeah. him in that game? And then why would you yank him? Or you know, I just, I, I think the whole, the whole thing is stupid. Those guys know they're all, they're all on their way out the door if they can't write this ship. And uh, Crab Legs is so out of it. I think Crab Legs has the talent to be a good quarterback. Just mentally, he's not there. And I think maybe like a, I don't know, a change of scenery would help for him. But maybe. I'd say Panthers number one on our tail. But, like, number 1A and then number 1B would be the Falcons because if they can string some wins together, get Deion Jones back, and I think Devontae Freeman's going to come back off IR, they're going to have to be accounted for. Yeah. I was just say, uh, uh, I'll say something that's probably my mind. Uh, you know the Panthers are playing good football when Cam Newton's being uh, as, as annoying as ever, you know? And uh, uh, every time we have to see uh, Cam Newton uh, dab or do the Superman or... Drain, uh, 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 dress up in a, I don't even know how to put it, fancy clothes. I don't know. Medea. Uh, it's uh, crazy clothes for that matter, but uh, it's definitely interesting. But I think uh, down the stretch, uh, the Panthers are going to be the hardest team the Saints want to play in the division. And who knows? Heck, could we uh, uh, beat them five times in two years? <laughs> we'll have to see. That'd be something oh, uh, good to see. I hope we sweep them. Yeah, we won't see them till week 15. I know. So they could be three weeks. We'll see them twice. Yeah, they could. We, they could be a completely different team by that time. And we we could, know. See, we could see them like four times in, or sorry, excuse me, like three times in four weeks or five weeks. If, if that we would could be play nuts. them in the playoffs again, if they end up, if they keep this up. Yeah, but um, it's crazy. Rams beat the Packers, so they stay undefeated. Pack NFC North's looking all kinds of jumbled up, crazy. Anybody could really come out of that. Uh, West is looking like it's belonging to the Rams with the Seahawks creeping up. The East, again, is is kind of all jumbled up, but uh, the Redskins are, are kind of pulling away. Um, the Eagles are going to be interesting to watch. The Cowboys are always, are always interesting to watch. Uh, the Giants. Uh, and then the NFC South, uh, obviously the Saints are pulling away. Um, it seems like right now, besides the Carolina Panthers, but we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Um, if the Saints are able to beat the Rams, I, they can beat any team in the NFL. So this is going to be a really important matchup, but... That's all the time we have for this podcast today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, as always, you can follow us, Charlie, at St. Charlie. If there's anything else you guys want to say, go ahead. If not, I'll pass it off to Tyler for the sign-off. Anything you want to say, Charlie? Nope. Okay. Uh, we haven't done reasons why we love the Saints in a while. I know you guys probably don't have anything. I just have a couple things I just want to mention really quick. It's not really reasons why I love the Saints. There's uh, things I've been keeping up to date with on Twitter. So uh, speaking of Twitter first, you can follow all of us, uh, Charlie Pollock at St. Charlie, Dane Brown at Dane underscore Brown underscore, myself, Tyler Raymond, at Raymond Tyler M, and our official Who That Dish podcast uh, Twitter account at the WDD podcast. So Bleacher Report, they have a um, they have a short series, usually only takes about like a minute or so. Every week or so, they post an episode. It's called Gritty on Heights, and basically they poke fun at the NFL. And they had a Halloween episode. Uh, Halloween was just yesterday, guys, uh, for those listening at home when we're recording this. But um, they had a Halloween episode. And, of course, you know, they had to feature some uh, choice players in the National Football League. Uh, they featured Kirk Cousins, Ken Newton. They featured uh, Pat Mahomes, who's really funny. And Baker Mayfield uh, with very funny voices. They also featured, of course, Sean Payton. With a, a butcher knife uh, or something, uh, he had like uh, an apron on. Uh, they basically they took a, a page out of the purge. If you guys have ever seen 
uh, that that show series, the movie series. But um, mm-hmm. uh, Drew Brees uh, had a mask on that said God on it, and he had like a really Batman voice saying, "The NFC is mine." And I I, I just <laughs> I love that. I posted it all over Twitter. Uh, I was even tempted to make it like my new uh, profile picture on Twitter. It was very very funny, and I absolutely love that. And uh, again, happy. 51st uh, anniversary to the New Orleans Saints. We love you so much. And that's why, of course, while why we are covering this amazing team, this ma- amazing organization, the franchise. Yeah. And um, make sure to check out all of our podcast episodes. You can find them on Spreaker.com if you're searching the web or iTunes. If you have uh, the podcast app on the iPhone, just check that out. And make sure to check out uh, WhoDatDish.com with all these amazing articles coming out talking about the Red Hot Saints. You won't want to miss that. So, Great stuff, as always. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Be sure to head to swag.fansided.com, search the Huda Dish podcast to buy our merch, get some t-shirts, represent us. It would be fantastic, especially for those of you down in New Orleans. Uh, and be sure to rate us on iTunes if you enjoy the podcast, and subscribe uh, if you want to stay up to date with everything we do. And as always, the Twitter account is the best way to do that. Um, so, But again, as always, this has been the Huda Dish podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. And who that? Who that? Who that?